Hello and welcome to this episode of Travel Stories from the Back Again and Gone podcast, back to being recorded in the beautiful home office of Chateau Relaxo, Florida. And tonight we're asking a question, is business travel returning to normal? Thanks for listening. Hello, if you are a new listener, welcome. If you are a returning listener, welcome back. Before we get to tonight's topic, let's do a quick trip around the interwebs. This comes to us from WSB TV out of Atlanta. Jelly Belly founder hides gold tickets in a nationwide treasure hunt and will give away a candy factory. David Klein is a modern day Willy Wonka. The 74 year old businessman is the founder of Jelly Belly Jelly Beans and wants to share a bit of his sweet life with multiple lucky winners. According to a press release, Klein and his partner have been traveling across the U.S. hiding gold-style tickets in the form of a necklace. The places they chose all have some sort of an interesting story that sparked their interest. Each necklace includes a unique code that, when verified, guarantees $5,000 in winnings. Willy Wonka, the book, and the original movie were my go-to. I can vividly remember reading the book during one of my stay at home while sick sessions in the mid 70s. There's nothing better than a well-constructed story and the Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory does just that. And second, I'm a huge Jelly Belly fan, so much so that every Father's Day as well as Christmas and usually my birthday, I'll get some sort of a variety pack of Jelly Belly jelly beans. And since each Jelly Belly jelly bean is approximately 41 calories, I am convinced that if they had a pizza taco and wing-flavored Jelly Belly jelly bean, I'd weigh a whole bunch less. There are a few more requirements to this contest, such as a $50 entry fee for clues to where the golden necklaces are located. You will also need a Facebook account if you hope to win the giant grand prize of a candy factory. Now, from a business aspect, this last bit of the article is really interesting. It goes on to say that while Klein and his business partner sold their share of the Jelly Belly business in 1980, only four years after creating the famed candy, the confectioner maintained some of his candy factories. Klein and his partner agreed to receive $10,000 a month for 20 years in exchange for the Jelly Belly trademark. A decision that Klein said he immediately regretted because it cut his candy range short. Doing a quick bit of math, 120K over 20 years is right around 2.4 million. I agree with Klein's regret. That is a pittance considering Jelly Belly's revenue is well over 180, possibly $190 million a year. No episode is complete without some sort of a mouse house update. This one is coming to us from Fox 35 in Orlando. Disney World Resort creates schoolcation option for families offering supervised class sessions. So last week, the Ritz-Carlton in Orlando was offering a work from hotel package complete with a business butler. Not to be outdone, this week Disney followed suit complete with a new COVID term, schoolcation. The article goes on to talk about the Four Seasons Resort Orlando at the Walt Disney World Resort is letting parents and their children keep up the vacation vibes even when school is back in session. And they're doing it through what they call their Schoolcation Initiative, which is providing quiet learning spaces for children to use while they attend classes remotely. 
parents can also enroll their children in a supervised session where kids can attend classes and do their homework before experiencing the ultimate recess at the hotel's water park and outdoor recreation area. Of course, Disney follows suit, and why not? We're less than 30 days into this whole home from school, school from home, remote learning, home education, whatever you want to call it, and parents are already throwing in the towel. And I'm willing to bet this schoolcation idea came from some Disney executive's partner that had been stuck with these little darlings trying to teach them back at home. One of my favorite Travelsphere, Blogosphere websites is The Gate, and they recently posted about guests rearranging furniture in hotel rooms. The author Brian Cohen wrote, whenever I stay in a hotel or resort property, I like to ensure that I am as comfortable as possible. And perhaps I will prop up a couple of pillows, fold over or possibly remove the duvet on the bed, or adjust the television so that I can watch it from the desk at where I am sitting instead of from the bed itself. Cohen goes on to write, the other night he had spoke to a friend who he had known for years and who works at a hotel property, and the friend could not believe how many guests have rearranged the furniture in guest rooms during the current COVID pandemic. Pre-COVID, pre-2020, and pre-2010, I have always rearranged hotel furniture. When I am in a hotel room, I use at most four pieces of furniture. The table is usually where my luggage goes. Probably not going to move that. The bed, that also never gets moved. However, I might lift up the mattress to see if the previous guest had left any treasures behind. Lastly, it's the office chair and desk. And I will move these to get out of the direct flow of an air conditioner to get a better view out the window or a better view of the TV that for some reason I always have muted. All this HGTV stuff aside, I will 99% of the time move everything back unless I have a 6.30 a.m. flight because no one needs to disturb the folks on the floor below them. This next one is a bit of a deep dive into the interwebs and not necessarily travel related, but the Tampa Bay Creative Loafing story has to get out. This Florida condo is completely covered in empty beer cans and it can be yours for $100,000. Located in Lake Worth, Florida, listing agent Kristen Kearney says the previous owner who has since passed away was a lifetime fan of Budweiser beer. And it was his life's mission to wallpaper his home in beer cans. And Kearney told Realtor.com he did just that. The Realtor.com site adds this. Entering the spacious two-bedroom, two-bath corner unit condo, you will immediately reminisce of long road trips, as well as the inevitable belting out of the beloved song, 99 Bottles of Beer on the Wall. Budweiser's biggest fan meticulously adorned the walls and ceilings with Budweiser beer cans in order to display and showcase his intense love for one of America's favorite domestic brews. Whether you keep the current decor for your YouTube beer show or decide to renovate the home, this property offers tons of entertainment potential. So the reason this story is here is because I'm a total beer nerd with just north of 1,250 unique beers going across my lips. I completely understand this guy's passion, possibly not the focus on Budweiser beer, but if you look through the pictures, there has to be an upwards of 20,000 cans tastefully, and I do truly mean tastefully, affixed to the walls and ceilings. Not sure how much the local recycling site would pay you for the internal contents, 
but I bet you can definitely net a couple thousand dollars. On to tonight's topic and my question. Is business travel returning to normal? In the last 30 days or so, I've managed to spend right around seven or eight nights in hotels, bringing my year-to-date total to 31 nights. And I'm here to tell you that every single road warrior out there keeps track of how many nights we spent in hotels, how many flights we've taken, how many rental cars. Well, I'm here to tell you also that my 2019 for hotel room stays was 225. So with a year-to-date total of 31, let's just say I'm far off that pace. This past week was my first business trip since March. It was going to be a four-night, 1,200-mile road trip. And it really took on a different look and feel, or as the kids say, feels, than the casual one- or two-night adventure that my wife and I have taken over the last month. Since this was a road trip, my first feeling or feels was that of relief, relief that I didn't have to clean out my backpack or luggage for items that TSA would not permit. Things like knives, strike anywhere matches, some odd food items, flasks, and knives. Like I said, this was my first business trip since March, so don't judge. The next feeling that set in was fear, and this is completely justified with all that's happened in the last six months. And I'm not talking about COVID, I'm talking about whether or not my dress clothes would still actually fit. After six months of home cooking, excessive, maybe moderate, probably excessive snacking in the occasional adult beverage, I'm here to report that my dress clothes do still fit. And then my last emotion was that of anger, again, not related to COVID, but directed toward the travel portal that I use for booking business travel. It took me a solid 15 to 20 minutes to recall how to navigate around the site. That being said, the only real COVID precautions I took was to grab a few additional masks and a bottle of hand sanitizer, and well, that was about it. So what changes have I seen related to COVID? The best single word to describe it is that of inconsistency. Now, take into account that my hotel stays have been mainly corralled into two states, Georgia, and of course, thank you, Florida. In regards, what has changed? Well, again, keep in mind the word inconsistency. Check in. Every single hotel employee that I engaged with was wearing a mask, even if they did have to pull it up on their face when I entered the lobby, and I completely get it. However, each and every check-in was a unique and personalized experience. Some check-in desks were surrounded in plexiglass, sort of a riot shield style. Others had no plexiglass, nothing really in place. And while actually had one check-in where they did make me sign a paper receipt, before I checked in, they did let me keep the pen. Uh, When checking in, I asked most of the desk clerks what their occupancy was, and they all were saying between 20 and 30%. When it came to the hotel rooms, again, inconsistent. Since March, I stayed exclusively at Hilton Properties. All rooms had stickers on the bathroom mirrors detailing their stepped-up cleaning procedures. And this comes from Hilton's website and what they call their clean stay experience. Our new hotel experience follows guests from pre-arrival to their journey home. And this is about nine different steps that they uh, go on to detail. Step number one, before travel, guests can go to hilton.com slash cleanstay for details about what to expect. 
property websites will be updated with specific information and a pre-arrival email is sent outlining the procedures in place. Absolutely true, and every single confirmation email read exactly the same. Number two, a check-in Hilton Honor members can use the app to bypass the front desk. Non-Honor members will still have to stop at the desk, which has been enhanced with disinfected features. Absolutely true, the app has sent me a notification notifying me that remote check-in was available. However, I bypass that always, and the reason is that you are not gonna get an upgrade through the app. You gotta meet and talk to somebody face-to-face. -face. And that actually paid off Two weeks ago at Disney Springs, we checked in and they did upgrade us to a suite. Number three, lobby seating is spaced out to accommodate social distancing. All the properties I was at, absolutely true. Number four, sanitizing stations are available throughout the property and on all elevators. Again, true, I saw them uh, sanitizing stations both inside and outside of all elevators. And in some of the bigger elevators, they actually had dots for you to stand on. Uh, indicating or encouraging social distances. Number five, rooms are closed with the clean stay seal to show that they've been cleaned and inspected according to new procedures. True, all but one property had seals across the doorways. Here's one thing that I really like about the seals. It's a really good indicator if to see if you have somebody staying in the room on either side of you. Number six, dining areas are spaced out for social distancing. Some brands will still offer to-go options instead of being seated. Really haven't noticed as I haven't spent any time in the dining areas of a hotel since last March. However, every single Hilton Garden Inn property that I stayed at, both the restaurant and bar were shut down. And most Hampton Inns were offering some sort of a brown bag or to-go bag that you could take with you for breakfast. Number seven, fitness centers have been rearranged to accommodate social distancing. This was another one of those inconsistent ones. Some fitness centers were completely closed. Others had signs encouraging social distancing, but none of the fitness centers that I looked at showed really any noticeable rearrangements of the equipment. Number eight, to check out guests can use the app or call the front desk before leaving. I never tell anybody that I'm checking out. I just walk out the front door. This is called being a travel snob. However, that being said, I will normally get some sort of a notification through the Hilton app offering remote checkout. Number nine, if shuttles are in use, disinfectant wipes will be available. Unfortunately, I have not used a shuttle since my last trip to Newark, which was February or early March. So that's my take on hotel stays. For me, I am completely comfortable. However, the one thing that bugs me is the fact that every single hotel chain claims to have stepped up their cleaning game. What this says to me is that eight months ago, your cleaning game sucked, but with suddenly with the same employees in place, everything is suddenly super clean. Uh, you should have been cleaning everything thoroughly from the get-go. When it comes to dining, it's certainly not the same for the business traveler or for anybody else. For instance, this last weekend, we left the three adults in charge of Chateau Relaxo and headed for Disney Springs. The crowds were, I would say, a bit to extremely light. So we were able to get a table at Splitsville without a reservation. We were able to walk in, get seated inside and upstairs on a Friday night. 
in 2019, that never would have happened. This past week, most of my meals were grab and go or drive through. And honestly, the best road trip meal of the week was at Publix, a Publix roast beef pub sub with a bag of salt and vinegar chips. See kids, business travel is glamorous. And here's another Chateau Relaxo to English translation. A pub sub is any sub sandwich from Publix. They weigh more and taste better than anything that Subway offers. The second best meal of the week was from an Ingalls grocery store and it was fried chicken. Again, business travel is glamorous. The next question has to be around traffic, gas stations, rest stops, etc. Makes sense. Well, my first leg uh, was from Central Florida to Dublin. And I'm talking about Dublin, Georgia, not Ireland. Minimal traffic up I-75 and it dropped to non-existent as I went into 257 towards Dublin. The next leg was Dublin, Georgia to Duluth, Georgia. Duluth is on the north side of Atlanta outside of 285 or OTP outside the perimeter. And as one could guess, traffic around the perimeter sucked. And I predict that we could be on the precipice of the world ending. Everybody could be sheltered in place. Nothing could be open. And Atlanta traffic around 285 or the perimeter would still suck. My drive back from Duluth to Central Florida required a few stops. And my normal go-to places are Pilots and Flying J's. Next to Walmart, those two places have damn near anything any road warrior would need to survive. And if you spend any amount of time traveling the same route, you find yourself tending to stop at the same gas stations, rest stops, etc. It's called kidney synchronization. And for me, my standard stop heading up into Atlanta, for my kidneys at least, is the Pilot Gas Station, Vienna, Georgia which I did last week heading both north and then heading back south to home. There's a McDonald's attached to that pilot gas station, and I'm not a fan of food joints attached to or inside gas stations. It's just one of my kinks. I can't explain it. I asked my therapist. On my northbound trip, my stomach requested a McDonald's burger and fries, so I listened. Inside, most of the McDonald's staff were wearing the required face mask conveniently tucked under their chins, giving them the benefit of the doubt, busy, short-staffed, whatever. I decided to revisit this location on my southbound trip, and guess what? Most of the employees still had the required face mask conveniently tucked under their chins. Like I said, inconsistency is the word of the day, month, and possibly the pandemic. You know, here's my take on someone that has spent probably half of the last 20 years being on the road and not at home. All of this comes down to your comfort level. If you're concerned about your safety and cleanliness of a hotel room, then ask yourself, what would give you 100% certainty that you won't catch COVID? The only legitimate answer is to stay at home. There's no airline, rental car, or hotel chain that plans or hopes you get COVID. Every single one of us is their target market. And if we do any less traveling, they will soon be out of business. I mean, traveling has come down to whatever you're comfortable with. Well, there you have it. If you have a comment, feel free to leave one on anchor.com or shoot me an email, travelfrick at gmail.com. That's travelfrick at gmail.com. 
We're getting closer, I promise, to saying travel safe. But until then, stay safe and thanks for listening. Hey, wait a second. Don't go. Make sure you check out all the blogs over at HypeAmerica.com. From food to travel to just general life humor, we cover all the topics. Thanks again.